Good morning. Welcome to Darby Creek Church. I'm Pastor Greg Berlisle. Glad you could join us uh, to get into the Word and sing together this morning. And we've got some special things lined up for today also. I'll mention here in a few minutes. All right. Good morning. Welcome to Darby Creek Church, our online service. Thanks for joining us today. As always, we're going to sing. We're going to look at God's Word. We're going to pray some together. And, uh, you know, one of the many things we have to celebrate this morning uh, comes from uh, the book of Romans, chapter 8, verse 2. And it says this, The law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus has set you free from the law of sin and death. Amen. That's good news. Uh, Let's go to the Lord in in prayer and thank Him for that. Uh, God, we just thank You for this morning. Thank you for all that you are to us and all that you've done for us, especially that you've sent your son, Jesus, uh, to pay the penalty for our sins so that when we believe in him, uh, we can have forgiveness. We can be set free from the law of sin and death and we can have eternal life in you. We're so grateful for that, Lord. Uh, The walls have been broken down between ourselves and you. And we just want to celebrate that today. We want to give you praise for who you are and what you've done. In Jesus' name, amen.
All right, this is a call to worship from Psalm 34, verses 3 through 8. It says, Come, let us tell of the Lord's greatness. Let us exalt his name together. I prayed to the Lord, and he answered me. He freed me from all my fears. Those who look to him for help will be radiant with joy. No shadow of shame will darken their faces. In my desperation, I prayed, and the Lord listened. He saved me from all my troubles. For the angel of the Lord is a guard. He surrounds and defends all who fear him. Taste and see that the Lord is good. Oh, the joys of those who take refuge in him. Amen. Let's sing. Praise our great God. The splendor of a king Clothed in majesty And all the earth rejoices All the earth rejoices He wraps himself in light And darkness tries to that
says this, God's way is perfect. All the Lord's promises prove true. He is a shield for all who look to him for protection. Amen. Let's sing Waymaker. Touching every heart 
a great song i i just love that part every time where it just talks about even though we can't see it you're working even though we can't feel it you're working we just know that god is is working even when it's he seems to be silent from our perspective and um you know we may feel that way even now you know having uh, gone through all the things that we're going through with um with the covid 19 virus and all of that and and all that's happening there may feel like you know what's god doing and he is working. That's what he's doing. And we may not understand it, but we just have to, by faith, trust that. And Lord, I just pray to you now as we get into your word, you would uh, fill me, help me to communicate accurately your word. And Lord, help us all to listen to what you have to say to us. And might we be willing, Lord, by your spirit to do whatever you show us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, I've been thinking a lot about this whole uh, uh, book of Esther and the chapter endings and so on, though, you know, you know, there's in the original languages, there's no like chapter endings, but the way it's divided up, it's almost like the cliffhanger, you know, when you watch a TV series and, and you, you, they leave uh, things hanging, uh, so to speak, the, on an episode and, and then you got to tune in the next time. And that's kind of what happened here. In the book of Esther, as we finished up chapter four, Esther was calling all of her people to pray and fast, uh, and um, because she was going to, uh, you know, go before the king without being requested to come in his presence. Which, uh, if you don't know, that can mean a death sentence if the king is not in, in a good mood. If you if you come into his presence without being called into his presence, uh, the king could have you killed on the spot. Um, and so unless he held out his gold scepter and received you, um, then you would be killed. And so, so she's having the people pray and, uh, and all of that. And Mordecai, the guy who raised her, has challenged her to step up and to, you know, he's like, how do you know that God has not put you in this position of queen to save your people? Because there had been an edict um, by um, an evil man named Haman. Uh, and, and he uh, coerced, in a sense, uh, bought uh, the king out in, in, in terms of making a law. Uh, he, he promised to make a large contribution if he could make a law that would kill all of the Jews because Mordecai was a Jew or is a Jew. And so is actually Esther. And, um, and so uh, Haman just could not stand the fact that Mordecai would not pay him respect and would not rise in his presence and so on. Uh, or pay him respect. And so that's kind of where we left off. And so now as we enter into chapter five, the, I'm kind of entitling this message, A Tale of Two Plans, because there are two plans being uh, played out here, one by Esther and one by Haman. So 
Let's take a look here at this first uh, part, uh, the first plan. And so verses 1 through 8, Esther chapter 5. It says, On the third day, Esther put on her royal robes and stood in the inner court of the king's palace in front of the king's quarters, while the king was sitting on his royal throne inside the throne room opposite the entrance to the palace. So you kind of get this image that Esther is kind of kind of outside the throne room in view of the king. And in verse 2, it says, And when the king saw Queen Esther standing in the court, she won favor in his sight. And he was held out and he and he held out to Esther the golden scepter that was in his hand. And then Esther approached and touched the tip of the scepter. And the king said to her, What is it, Queen Esther? What is your request? It shall be given you even to half to the half of my kingdom. And Esther said, If it please the king, let the king and Haman come today to a feast that I prepared for the king. And then the king said, Bring Haman quickly so that we may do as Esther has asked. So the king and Haman came to the feast that Esther had prepared. And as they were drinking wine after the feast, the king said to Esther, What is your wish? It shall be granted you. And what is your request? Even to the half of my kingdom it shall be fulfilled. Then Esther answered, My wish and my request is, If I have found favor in the sight of the king, And if it please the king to grant my wish and fulfill my request, let the king and Haman come to the feast that I will prepare for them. And tomorrow I will do as the king has said. And so, you know, this is, this is just amazing here. Um, You know, as, as you could just imagine being Esther and, and, she knew uh, that she could die coming into the king's presence without being request, uh, without being asked to come. And it's so amazing that when she does, uh, he's just like, yeah, sure, come on in. Uh, what can I do for you? I'll give you anything you want, up to half my kingdom. <laughs> it's just like, are, you know, are you kidding me? Really? It's, it's, it's just uh, amazing. And really... The thing that strikes me as 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 we look at this is this is not just you know Esther is so great, but I mean she is she is um, you know an amazing person. There's no question about it. God has made her that way. But but uh, just thinking about what happened before this, uh, this passage started off you know basically uh, uh, talking about the, the 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 fast you know the the three day fast that had happened. They were seeking God's uh, uh, help and his deliverance and uh, that Esther might have favor. And it just really shows uh, here and bears out that God, you know, God was answering. He was working here and just got me to thinking about how we gain spiritual strength, courage and boldness as we wait on God and seek him. Because you know that's what's going on in, 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 in fasting and prayer. And we mentioned this last week, some of the reasons to fast and pray is that we're seeking God. And in that seeking, we're waiting on him um, to sometimes move in our hearts, maybe give us direction, uh, maybe to give us deliverance uh, or victory over something, a sin area in our lives or something like that. Um, But, um, you know, this is, this is what has happened here is God has, has answered. He has, he has, as Esther and, her people, the Jews, have, have sought the Lord through prayer and fasting. He has answered and granted favor in the king's sight. Look at these uh, verses here. Uh, they just show us that God gives us strength and perseverance as we seek him. Isaiah 40, verse 31 says, But they who wait for the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. And they shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. You know, that verse alone, again, waiting on the Lord as we do that. He says as we seek him and wait on him, he renews our strength. He gives us, he gives us, you know, in a sense, supernatural strength uh, and, and strength to persevere and continue on. And that, that whole idea of running and not becoming weary. Uh, you know, some of us may be in situations now where uh, we are in a very long um, trial. 
and it's been going on for some time. And uh, I can't tell you the importance uh, enough of seeking God, waiting in his presence, uh, getting in his word. Uh, I mean, I know that's the basics. You know, it's like the ABCs of the Christian life. But man, I tell you what, we cannot underestimate it. Uh, This past week when I was asking folks in the church to consider fasting, uh, you know, at least during one of the meals on a day we were going to have a church, we had our church uh, prayer meeting online. And uh, I spent my lunch hour um, doing something that I hadn't done for a long time. And it was a result of my quiet time I had in the morning. In the morning, I was reading some passages of scripture in the Psalms. And every Psalm I came to, it was tell, it was saying the words, you know, praise the Lord, praise the Lord. And, uh, and so what I felt like God was maybe prompting me to do in my time at lunch uh, where I normally would be eating lunch, was to get my guitar out, which I hadn't had out for probably a year, and and start playing some of our old, uh, I call them fellowship songs, that we sang years ago on campus. There's there's scripture put to song. And I spent that time doing that. And as I did that, as I sought the Lord and, and just spent time singing, uh, you know, though I'm sure it wasn't, you know, great to hear, but it was just me and the Lord. Uh, God was really renewing my strength and encouraging me um, as I was putting the focus on him. And so um, this is just so what happens when God, when we come to God and we seek him, he renews our strength and he gives us perseverance that we need. Um, Isaiah 41, 10 says, fear not for I am with you. Um, be not dismayed for I am your God. I will strengthen you. I will help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. You know, do you know the Lord Jesus Christ as your savior? If you do, then you can claim this. You can, you can come to God and he renews your strength as you seek him. And I just love that. The other thing I thought about along the lines of boldness, because, you know, Esther needed courage that came from the Lord. Uh, she needed boldness. And you got to be thinking back to a passage in the book of Acts, uh, the first century believers there. Uh, let me read it to you. Acts 4, 29 to 31, where it says, uh, and now the Lord look upon their threats because what had happened. So they're in the middle. This is the middle of a prayer, by the way. This is like a prayer being prayed by some of the believers after they had been told not to speak in Jesus name anymore. All right, so they had been threatened to not speak about Jesus anymore. And so it says, And now the Lord, look upon their threats and grant to your servants to continue to speak your word with boldness. While you stretch out your hand to heal and signs and wonders are performed through the name of your holy servant Jesus. So, you know, there as the apostles and were going around, um, you know, preaching the gospel, uh, God was doing all kinds of miracles uh, through them. And uh, they were they were giving the credit to Jesus. They're saying it's it's, it's uh, that you know that guy that you hung on the cross. It's because of him. He lives and he's doing this through us. Verse thirty one. It says, and when they had prayed, so this is that they're seeking the Lord. They're praying for boldness. The place in which they gathered together was shaken. Can you imagine having a prayer meeting and the earth is just starts to shake. Okay, and it's not just some earthquake. Okay, this is the Holy Spirit moving. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and continued to speak the word of God with boldness. And and I say, you know, if the Lord, if you know God wants you to to take a bold step for him, if you know that maybe it maybe it's to 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 share the gospel of Jesus with somebody, maybe it's to say, you know, something about the Lord to somebody. Um you need boldness. And as you seek him in prayer and you ask for the boldness, then you take the step of faith and he delivers, you know, and that's the thing I like too about Esther here is that, you know, she didn't say, let's just pray about this and then we're not going to do anything. No, she prayed about it. They sought the Lord and then they took action. And that's what we need to do. That's what we need to do. So the other thing I thought about in, in here as this, this first portion, these first eight verses about Esther's plan is that, um, you know, God loves for us to come to him and tell him our needs and ask. Now, where am I getting that from? Well, <laughs> I was thinking about, you know, King Asuerus. You know, the reason that 
there was a great concern was that he's the kind of guy that will just kill people, you know, just for the fun of it at the drop of the hat. He's in a bad mood. You know, I mean, and, and so he, he's I mean, talk about being unapproachable. Uh, that would be him. And so I was just thinking that I'm so glad that our, our, our father in heaven is not like King Asuerus. That our Heavenly Father, He desires that we come into His presence. He wants us to come in prayer. He wants us to come in worship. He, 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 he loves that. And so, you know, Jesus' death and resurrection really made approaching a holy God possible. I mean, for sinful people like us, to be able to come in the presence of a holy God uh, was just unheard of. But because of Jesus Christ, and his sacrifice on the cross, and his blood shed for our sins, for our forgiveness, and making us clean in God's sight, uh, all those who put their faith in Christ um, are made righteous in his sight. So that's how we can, uh, so he not only wants us to come into his presence, but it's made possible by Jesus Christ. Take a look at these verses here that talk about that Jesus gives us access to God and confidence to draw near to God. Hebrews 4, 16, uh, well, 14 to 16 says, Since then we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, that is Jesus, the Son of God. Let us hold fast our confession. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who in every respect has been tempted as we are, yet without sin. Let me stop there for a second. Um, Speaking of Jesus, you know, being our high priest, meaning he, he's, he's our go-between between us and God the Father because of what he did, right? He's the one who enables us to come into the presence of God and uh, make us acceptable to him. But it says that he's able to sympathize with our weaknesses. Um, and that's just, I think that's just amazing that we would have uh, a God like that, you know, and we have a Lord, the Lord Jesus is like that. He's he, he was tempted in every way as we are, but yet he did not sin. And uh, so that's, that's, that's our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. That's, uh, he is a, a one who understands what it means to be human because he was fully God and fully man. We don't know how that works, but we can see from the scriptures that's clearly uh, what he was like. Fully God, fully man. So the humanity side, in the sense of Jesus, uh, fully was tempted in every way that we are. And so when we come to him with our challenges, our temptations and all that, he, he understands. So he's approachable. And then it goes into verse 16. It says, let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. So as we, as we you know, we, uh, the, the Lord is, is, is approachable. And he wants us to come into his presence. He wants us to draw near to the throne of grace, not the throne of anger, you know, because the wrath of God's been appeased through the sacrifice of Jesus if you have put your faith in him, right? Only those that have not put their faith in Christ as Savior will experience the wrath of God um, eternally. So, but those who have put their faith in Christ uh, can draw near with confidence and receive the mercy and find grace, it says, to help in time of need. So, you know, let this, if you're a believer in Jesus, let this be an encouragement for you to be coming to the Lord. Uh, and you uh, take your request to him, as it says in Philippians 4, 6, and 7, um, to do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your request be made known to God. So there it is, ask, ask. He's not going to come down on you. He's not going to be, uh, you don't have to worry about whether he's going to have you, you know, hung in the gallows like King Asiorus would have uh, possibly. And it says, and the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Just a great promise. Let's talk about the next plan. So Esther's kind of working the plan uh, that God uh, laid on her heart, right? Which was gather the king and Haman together. And then, and then, of course, then he gave her, the king gave her this great opening, right, to uh, say, ask anything you want. And then she said, well, I'd like to have a, another, uh, let's have a, a, another feast, just the three of us, uh, tomorrow. And then I'll tell you my request. 
And so she's working that plan. So let's take a look here, starting in the next part um, in uh, verse 9. says, And Haman uh, went out that day uh, joyful and glad of heart. So here's Haman gets done having this uh, nice little feast with Esther and King Asuerus, right? And he's, he's all pumped, man, because everything uh, in Haman's life is all about him. And it's all about uh, status and power and how people see him. Um, it says, but, and here, here we go, but when Haman saw Mordecai in the king's gate, that he neither rose nor trembled before him, he was filled with wrath against Mordecai, right? So he is, again, just totally miffed by the fact that Mordecai will not pay him respect uh, in public, nor in private, but in public here in this case. <clears throat> Verse 10, nevertheless, Haman restrained himself, went home, and, and and he sent and brought his friends and his wife, Zeresh. So he's like, hey, you know, let's have some folks over. Um, and, and so in verse 11, it says, And Haman recounted to them the splendor of his riches, the number of his sons, all the promotions with which the king had honored him, and how he had advanced him above the officials and the servants of the king. I mean, can you imagine this? You're having all these people over and you're just, and you're just he's just sitting there telling them how great he is. Look, look at what I've achieved. Look at how the king is, is with me and, and all this and that. Have you ever been around anybody like that where it's all about them? Uh, that's exactly the way Haman was. And so goes on here to say, verse 12, Then Haman said, uh, Even Queen Esther, let no one but me come with the king to the feast she's, she prepared. And tomorrow also I am invited by her together with the king. Again, more boasting. Yet... Now listen to this, verse 13. Yet all this is worth nothing to me so long as I see Mordecai the Jew sitting at the king's gate. He cannot get this out of his head. He cannot let it go that Mordecai is uh, basically dissing him uh, at at the king's gate. So verse 14. Then his wife Zeresh and all his friends said to him, let a gallows 50 cubits high be made. And in the morning, Tell the king to have Mordecai hanged upon it. Then go joyfully with the king to the feast. This idea pleased Haman, and he had the gallows made. So that's uh, this is Haman's plan, right? He's got a plan. Uh, of course, this idea came from his friends and his wife, but he just jumped on it. Says that's a great idea. Let's just let's just ask the king to hang the guy because of his disrespect. When I see, read this portion, these verses 9 to 14, I see a man that needs a heart transplant, uh, figuratively speaking. He needs a heart transplant. This guy cannot stand it. This one thing in his life, uh, you know, that is kind of shaming him publicly, in a sense, he cannot let that go. He has everything else uh, that anybody could, in a sense, ever want. But he, because he's so prideful, um, and really, in a sense, this idea of this having public respect and power and status, it's an idol in his life. You know, if you want to if you want to know what the idols, you know, the little gods, uh, small g in our lives might be, um, you know, what is that thing that causes a, a really strong uh, emotion to us uh, many times? Uh, you know, uh, at times I've, I've thought that, you know, like, why am I so upset about, you know, such and such or whatever? Sometimes it's a righteous anger. Sometimes, though, it's because uh, our pride is is being challenged um, and so on. But it, it, in his case, this this definitely this uh, he um, he had the riches, he had the power, he had the position, but not the respect of one man. He couldn't let it go. Haman's plan uh, of disproportionate response. Wouldn't you say that's a disproportionate response? Just over the top, right? Um, dealing with Mordecai, right? He could initially he couldn't. Uh, he, you know, we even looked in the past chapters how um, Haman was like, "I'm not going to settle for just killing Mordecai. I'm going to put a death sentence on all his people," right? And so, uh, wanting others to recognize him and honor him was an idol in his heart, and and so. He needs a heart transplant. He needs something's got to change in his life, um, and and 
the same is true of us. We need a heart transplant. Um, without uh, a new heart, without, you know, we, we can't just will ourselves to have a, a good heart. Um, it's just not going to happen. Something needs to change. Uh, something needs to be transformed in our lives. And so, uh, and that's, that's where we're headed with this is, is this, I want you to see that we're born with a heart problem. Jeremiah 17, nine says the heart is deceitful above all things and desperately sick. Who can understand it? But, you know, there's good news uh, that even though we're all kind of born with this heart problem that kind of goes its own way, is very self-centered, um, you know, those are all just manifestations of sin, right? Uh, being self-seeking, uh, you know, just uh, really just looking out for our own. It's just a manifestation of our sin problem. And that's what I'm calling the heart problem is the sin problem, right? But... Uh, good news is if by faith we receive Jesus's offer of salvation, that he breaks through and gives us a new heart. In other words, you know, can't just keep that old heart. There has to be a transformation. Ezekiel 36, 26 talks about this, that God's going to give us a new heart. It says, And he says, I will give you a new heart and a new spirit I will put within you. And I will remove the heart of stone from your flesh and give you a heart of flesh. You know, that idea of hard-heartedness. That's what he's talking about, that, that heart of stone, right? And we're born with this heart problem, with a heart of stone. We're born with a heart of rebellion towards God and, and this self-centeredness that we have. And what we need to do is that we need to receive uh, Jesus' offer of salvation, right, so that we can get this new heart. Take a look at these New Testament verses that talk about this. It says, in Romans 5, 5, God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. And to anyone who received Jesus as their Savior, God pours out his Spirit in them, and we get with that feelings of his love. We have now access to his love to fill our hearts that it can spill over to others. And Romans six seventeen says, But thanks be to God, that you who were once slaves of sin, you get that? Haman was a slave of sin. He, he, this idol, you know, he was going to worship it all his days unless there would be a change come, a change come from God, right? By the Holy Spirit, by putting his faith in, you know, in God. So, but it says, thanks be to God that you who were once slaves of sin have become obedient from the heart to the standard of teaching to which you were committed. And so that just shows us that when you put your faith in Christ, he gives us a new heart, gives us his Holy Spirit, and we no longer have to be slaves to our sin nature. We can do the right thing by his empowerment. Now, sometimes we still do. Christians are not perfect. People that have put their faith in Christ are not perfect, but they do have access to the Holy Spirit who can help them do the right thing and empower them to do the right thing. Uh, you know, this, all kinds of things happen when we believe uh, in our lives in, in terms of empowerment from God uh, to, to walk in victory. And, uh, you know, we still sin. We still have indwelling sin. We battle it, but he, we have the, we have the, the spiritual, uh, the Bible says spiritual armor, as it mentions in Romans 6, to, to battle these things and to, to, to walk in a way that's pleasing to God. And um, whenever I whenever I was reading that whole thing about Haman, I could not help but think, man, this guy is wicked. But then I think, and you know, that's how I was uh, before coming to Christ. You know, though not perfect now, I was totally self centered. Totally, it was totally all about me. Um, and, and that that self centeredness, you know, uh, has gotten better since I come to I've come to know Christ. It, it, there's still it's still there's still bits of that there for sure. Um, but um, as I allow the Holy Spirit to work in my life, he gives me uh, the power to live an others uh, focused, uh, a focus that my life that's on Jesus and, and, and really wanting to live out his mission for our lives as believers and to serve other people and to, uh, you know, in, in my case, you know, as, as being married, to love my wife the way Christ loved the church sacrificially, Right. So just kind of in summary here, it so said, when we turn from our sin and turn to God by faith in Jesus Christ and what he did, here's what happens. He moves in. He gives us a new heart in Christ and dwelt by the Holy Spirit. 
Our calling, therefore, is to bear fruit out of the abundance of the heart. Something new is going to come out as an, as an overflow. Uh, that's what happens, right, when you put your faith in Jesus. And, and um, you know, I was just thinking about this uh, today here, and I'm going to read this here from the um, ESV version, about um, 1 Corinthians 13. You hear in weddings, uh, quoted a lot. It's, 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 but really, originally, it's written to believers who were um, touting themselves as being super spiritual, having incredible spiritual experiences with God and, and the Holy Spirit and so on. But then in, in 13, sandwiched in between these chapters about different gifts of the Spirit, he says, If I speak in the tongues of men and angels but have not love, I'm a noisy gong or clanging cymbal. Uh, and if I have prophetic powers and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have all faith so as to remove mountains, but have not love, I'm nothing. He says, like, you know, I don't care what kind of spiritual power you have uh, from God, but because if you're not, if you're not filled with love, it means nothing. And you know what? Being filled with the love of God, which Haman was not, uh, to be filled with the love of God and have his spirit in us, you know, requires us to be yielded to the spirit. As you read on, it, it mentions qualities right, of being uh, being filled with the Lord, this love of love. It says, love is patient, love is kind, love does not envy or boast. It is not arrogant or rude. It is not insistent on its own way. Uh, is that not miraculous right there? I mean, I mean, for any of us to not insist on our own way, to not be arrogant, to not, uh, you know, to be able to bear all things, to hope all things, to endure all things. I mean, that takes an act of God. And the only way that's ever going to happen is if you put your faith in Jesus. That's the only way. Not going to happen by pulling yourself up by your bootstrap. It's not going to happen by, I mean, and there are great and wonderful counselors. Listen, you've got to have the Holy Spirit. You know, uh, I mean, counseling's great. I'm, I'm, I'm forgetting help uh, for people to have the right perspective on, on, on the soul. And, you know, from a Christian perspective, I think is important if you're going to get counseling. But listen, you need the Holy Spirit. You need God working in your life. And so stop looking to the self-help books right now and look to the one who can give you a new heart, right? And I pray to God today that if you have not put your faith in Jesus, that you would. And you would experience this new heart and a new life in Christ. Yes, there will still be struggles. Yes, there will still be difficulties. But you will have the Holy Spirit move into your life and help you to live out and start to then battle the indwelling sin that still remains in our lives. And, uh, and then you'll be part of a family, part of a, of the family of God. So, so yeah, that's, this is, this is an incredible uh, book that we're in here. It's, it's, it's kind of a load, a road less traveled. Uh, you don't hear it preached on that much. And, and, uh, but I, as I get into it in each chapter that I look into, you just see God's hand all in it. You just see, God speaking to us through it, uh, as we see Esther's courage and boldness that she got as she approached God and sought him out and was waiting for the Lord in prayer and fasting. And as we see uh, that our God is not like King Osiris, right? It's wonderful to know that uh, we have a God who bids us to come into his presence, right? Um, we, we see Jesus talking about that, right? Ask, seek, and knock. Jesus tells us, keep asking, keep seeking, keep knocking. He's just wanting us to keep approaching him, taking our request before him. Uh, and lastly, we see that we need a new heart that only the Lord can give us, right? Listen, let's pray together. Heavenly Father, just thank you so much. Thank you for your word. It's true. It's not a story. It's true. This is a historical account that we're reading here in the book of Esther. Father, I just thank you. We thank you, Lord, for that you give us this courage as we saw in Isaiah 40, right? That you, you renew our strength. Lord, those right now that are listening, those right now that need your strength, Lord, would you fill them up, sustain them, give them persevering strength. Lord, give them a uh, victory over sin kind of strength, if that's what they need, uh, Lord. Um, but Lord, just uh, for all of us, remind us that we need to lean into you first and foremost. We need to seek you. Thank you, Lord, that in your presence is fullness of joy, that in the seeking you, we find you and you strengthen us. 
Um, Laura, I thank you just even for that little time I had with you at lunch the other day. Just was refreshing. Lord, that, let that be our pursuit, Lord, every day. And uh, Lord, for those that don't know you, I pray today would be the day of their salvation. Uh, just like um, Zacchaeus, when he encountered Jesus and, uh, and Jesus is saying, I'm coming to your house today. And maybe that's where you are right now is that you know God's working in your heart and he's saying, I'm coming to you today. Will you receive me? And Lord, I just pray that any of those that feel that way, that sense your move, that they would accept you. They would say, Lord, I confess my sin to you. I know I'm doing things my own way, but I believe that Jesus is the Savior and I put my faith in him. Thank you that he died on the cross for my sins. Come into my life. Help me to live the kind of life you want me to. Help me to root out selfishness and live the way you want me to. We ask it all in Jesus' name. Amen.